Some people claim that the atrocities we commit in our fiction are those inner desires which we cannot commit in our controlled civilization. So they are expressed instead through our art. I don't agree. I believe heaven and hell are one and the same. The soul belongs to heaven and the body to hell. Welcome to the Blasphemous Cinema Podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and with me today is, of course, my trustworthy co-host. How are you doing today, Asim? Good. How about you? Yeah, we're doing good out here. And um, we both watched, well, re-watched Eli Roth's Green Inferno, a throwback to Italian exploitation cannibal horror films, and a movie that on our first viewing, we both liked. And which was like what I mean, my first viewing was probably five years ago. <laughs> Mine was like close to three and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, mm. And it didn't age well at Not all. Not at all. And it was really disappointing. Um, yeah, it just it went from just like kind of thinking this movie was cool to like literally one of the worst acted, worst written, worst directed movies I've seen ever. And um, I mean, some of the prosthetics and gore is cool, but I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, some of it. I mean, even some of that. Exactly, is kind of yeah. Subpar. Yeah. Um, so basically what it would come down to for me is like, like I couldn't there like almost every single scene is like the start of a bad porno. <laughs> like bad porno acting. Like it's so bad. Like it, it, everything feels so amateur. No one's putting in any effort besides arguably Lorenza Izzo. And Arguably. Yeah, arguably, yeah. And like the editing is really bad. There's there's so much like just stupid dialogue. Um, it feels like it was made by a really giddy and like I don't know edgy director, which some would argue Eli Roth is. Um, it just none of it feels like any bit um, well made, and then. It just gets like, like for the first like hour of the movie, it's like all this stupid character shit. Yeah, you don't get to the actual tribal yeah. stuff until forty minutes into yeah. the movie, and which I mean, I could say that was kind of. I would feel like that was one of the better moves on his uh-huh. part, just because you know, you know how Eli Roth likes to do. You know, like with Hostel and all that, where he would he likes to build start it off up. making it very he yeah he likes to make it look very stereotypical and make it look very commonplace, like a stereotypical horror yeah. film, just so he can completely flip it on its head and give you the contrast in the latter half of the movie. Uh, I, you can tell that he tried to do that with this movie. It just didn't it just come off in a way. Falls yeah. flat on his face. Um, yeah. And even at that, like the second. The second half of the movie is just, like, you get, like, some glimpses of potential, then it's, like, just ruined by a lot of really dumb writing and bad dialogue and just things that make you roll your eyes. Just how, like, almost just immature a lot of it is would be a good word. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean... Compared to Cannibal Holocaust, one of my favorite things about Cannibal Holocaust was the memorable soundtrack and score. Like, I don't remember anything about the score at all for this movie at all. Um, I don't think any of like the soundtracks good either. Um, yeah, like I said before, the acting is terrible. Um, the gore is, like you said, it's hit or miss. I think there's some instances where I like it, some where it just it's it doesn't like it never really comes off as disturbing. Yeah, not particularly. Because I mean the the best part of the gore is the first 
like the sacrifice yeah. sequence, which is unfortunate to make it the first one because then that automatically sets the audience's standards up at that stakes. But then the rest of the movie doesn't live up to that exactly. kind of gore or anything. So you're kind of just like, so the peak was right yeah. then. They were already the first one. Yeah. I mean, that's why I would give from my review. Like my first time, I gave it a three out of five. And this time it's really floating around like one to one and a half stars. Yeah. Um, would you like to add anything? Um, I mean, that's kind of how I was too. When I watched it a long time ago, because I saw it on Blu-ray at Best Buy and I just bought it. Uh, I thought it was decent. I gave it three stars also. And, of course, after this rewatch, I would probably be leaning more towards what I rated Cannibal Holocaust, probably at uh-huh. one. But, I mean, I mean, the only good, the only thing this thing, this movie has over Cannibal Holocaust is that it isn't preaching to you. But at the same time, it's also not intelligent yeah. whatsoever. So you can't really give it any merits. For that. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it, but I feel like there's a lot of, like, pseudo-intellectual bullshit in this movie. That Eli Roth thinks he's doing something and it's just like in all the execution it doesn't come off in a good way at all. I can um, see that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that would be our review. Um before we get into the spoiler section, is there anything else you'd like to add, Addison? No, we can go and hit that spoiler right. warning. And here is your spoiler warning for Green Inferno. Okay. So the first scene is literally um, you open up in like the Amazon jungle and you get these shots of just like natives just just walking around basically. Then you get like a hard jump cut to like um, bulldozers taking down the Amazon forest. And then like a shot of the, the um, native just like getting kind of like a blank stare and like yeah. you hear the bulldozer noises in the back and then it hits you with opening credits and I could tell wholeheartedly <laughs> that Eli Roth thought this was a lot more like profound than it what actually was like it's a, I mean I get what he's trying to say it's just like yeah here's the natives and then the bulldozer because they're coming in but it's just like done in such a poor way it's like you don't really care at all yeah it would i wouldn't even say it was an intro or a prologue it was more just like he just had some aerial shots of the forest that they were filming in and he was like let's make this the opening title sequence and then we'll cut to the college but it doesn't really have yeah. any weight whatsoever and then and so you meet um lorenza Izzo. um her name's justine and she's a college freshman, and basically, like, around their campus, like, they have, like, these, there's these activism groups, um, student social activism groups, and, you know, they're just, like, on campus talking about stuff, and, like... Which, that intro, I will give it, that the intro is one of the only parts that actually has any real weight or intellectual status to it, because... I mean, how else would you imagine a, you know, a privileged little college girl that's the daughter of a UN guy to sit there react during a class uh-huh. during, you know, them talking about tribes and stuff? She was like, oh, I can call yeah. my dad and he can take <laughs> care of this. It's like, are you an idiot? Yeah, so, like, I mean, like, well, first the group is, like, they're, they're, like, protesting for janitors at their college to get more money. And she was like, you know, she was like, like they pop she's like slightly interested or whatever then you go to this class they're in this class and um they're talking about native tribes and they're talking about how the fact that um these native tribes like basically um just what's the word for it like prevent they mutilate the females they mutilate female genitalia and it's just basically like this whole thing just basically like oh yeah the, these native tribes um they f- female genital mutilation is a, like a huge thing and they show you like pictures and stuff and then <laughs> and then like justine's roommate just like says i like 
but why? Like, why doesn't someone just do something? <laughs> and, then, and then she, like, the teacher goes on a little tangent, and then Lorenzo Izzo, like, comes in and says, like, yeah, my 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 dad works at the UN. He's a lawyer. They could totally do something. I can give him a call or something. And then, like, you see it pan down to the left, one of the freaking, like, social activism um, students is, like, wrote down her name or whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah. So they walk out, and then he comes up to her and gives her a thing, and she's like, "Yeah, it's not really my thing, but um, you know, we we're really interested, and you should come by." And then he's like, "Yeah, my um my leader, um Alejandro, um, basically invited you, and like you get this really dumb shot of like Alejandro talking to people, and then he gives like he looks over at them." <laughs> like, that is one of my least favorite shots in the whole movie because it makes absolutely no sense at all. First of all, like, it's kind of funny and you think it's stupid that she would even ask that question in class. But then at the same time, you're like, yeah, but you could yeah. see that. Like, that's actually, it's decently realistic for the stupidity of privileged yeah. people like that. But then when she goes outside and she's talking to that dude and he's like, yeah, Alejandro asked me to do this for you. And he just so happens to be right there on the sidewalk talking to some administrator at, right outside of her class, and he just looks at her like he's not paying attention to what they're doing. It's one of the it's dumbest so, establishing so shots bad. like I've ever seen. It is so bad. And after this, um, basically, they have this like whole sit-down between her and... Um, wait, do they? does she go to the meeting first? Or did... Yeah, she goes to the meeting. Okay. Uh, it's at the bar. Yeah. Whatever, so whatever she goes to the meeting and um, like they're talking about how um, what were they talking about at that point? Well, they're talking about how like he needed to do a different kind of uh, what was it? It was talking about one of the camp things that they had to do to stop some. I can't remember exactly yeah. what it was, but she was. She said something along the lines of, why don't you just do no, it no, or something said, like that? She says, he, what, you got to walk through and starve yourselves to death? <laughs> and then you, then Alejandro gets so pissed. He's like, that type of insolence isn't welcome here. You can leave. And then she's like, are you kidding me? It was just a joke. And he's like, and he gives her a dirty look and then she leaves. <laughs> and then it's, it's so stupid. And then, then you get basically um, Justine... Um, has a like a dinner or lunch date with her dad discussing these issues and like i don't know he just like looks like a stereotypical freaking you like just like government employee and like they're like talking about he's like yeah we can't really do anything if like you know just because we think it's wrong doesn't mean we can go in and do something about it and like she like She's, like, you can tell, like, she has, like, this little fad about caring about it, but, like, you, she probably really doesn't care about it. It's it's definitely fake care. Like, it, it's, like, it's, like, you know, all the, all the Christian girls that go on the missionary trips to, like, Panama exactly. or something, and they're, and they think, you know, we're, we're helping, we're doing this for the greater good, when really it's just a vacation to Panama for them, and they just take pictures with these kids. Yeah. Like, you to know. Make them- it's yeah. kind of like that. And so she comes back to the group and um oh, I forgot the ad. Like there's this whole little subplot that started here with one of the um the the other um social activist members who has kind of a crush on Justine. Oh yeah. What yeah. Jo- <laughs> He's a little bit of a bigger guy, and, like, he's basically, like, you know, he's really trying to get her, like, you know, come back. Um, Alejandro really just cares about his work and all that stuff. And so she comes back, and then they're – so they're planning a trip to the Amazon rainforest to stop this um, um, petrochemical company from deforestation and, like, destroying native, um, native villages. And so the plan is, is that they'll be bringing their phones and they'll be recording it all. And someone's like, 
well, if it's so dangerous, why don't we bring a gun? Then he's like, our cell phones are our guns. <laughs> I just laughed so hard. Yeah. He was like, this is... Our cell phone is our gun. And, um, and like, people are, like, starting, like, oh, my God, this could be dangerous. And then he, they bring up, like, what if he gets shot? And then he's like, it's a possibility. And everyone's, like, looking really nervous. And then he, like, basically kind of, like, intimidates them into doing it. And like, yeah, we're we're all good. And so, basically, he, um, she, Justine, tells her dad, and basically, he's kind of worried because it's kind of a, Peru is kind of a dangerous country to him, and, um, you know, how many people are going, what are you guys going to be doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and, yeah, so, basically, Justine says, like, you know, my dad can, you can help out with this issue or whatever since he's an United Nations attorney. Um, so their oper- their op- whole operation to get the, the Amazon rainforest is funded by this guy named Carlos. And he's a drug dealer. Yeah, he's Carlos the drug, the drug dealer. dealer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they travel. Which they was, it was... Like, the way they showed that in the movie was supposed to be comical, but it was also probably one of the most ridiculously and dumbest scripted like, scenes in the movie. one of the white kids, one of, like, I forgot what his actor's name, but he's from Spy Kids, and he's one of the most annoying characters in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. He basically says this line of Spanish to Carlos, and he's like, I got you. And he's like, oh, I didn't even know that was going to work. <laughs> he, he knows. And then... um so, but later he gets him his weed, whatever. Um, so, not even just that. But remember on the plane when he was when he it was uh, Justine and Jonah sitting uh-huh. next to that dude, and he was like, "What? Just because he's Latin and has a lot of money doesn't mean he's a drug dealer." And she was like, "I didn't even say that." And Jonah was like, "Yeah, dude, she didn't say that." <laughs> and he was like, "Thanks, Jonah." It's like, what kind of fucking oh, dialogue is that? Why yeah. was that even in then, the movie? So then you get one of the weirdest scenes in the movie. So basically, like, they're getting off of, like, these little, like, cars to whatever to get to their boats. And Eli Roth makes their walk to the boat like a, like a fake-ass horror scene. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, yes. all they need to do is walk to their boat, and people are carrying, like, wood planks on their shoulders, and he directs it, like, they're, like, they're trying to, like, maneuver through these, like, wooden planks, not trying to get hit or whatever, because they could get, like, decapitated or something, but, like, it it's as simply as them just walking around them, and he makes it into a whole fucking horror sequence. <laughs> It makes no sense, and honestly, like I tried to after I rewatched it, I literally tried to sit there and think about some kind of symbolism or some kind of reasoning for this whole scene where these people are just walking by with pieces of wood, <laughs> just blocking their path to the boats. And I was like, I honestly, for life, me cannot figure out any in-depth sequence whatsoever for this. It made no sense <laughs> at all. Like what? What? Like it's just regular, and it goes into this random ass horror sequence. Like what's going on right now? <laughs> And um, so they get on these small boats and they travel through the Amazon on these small boats and they um, like midway through, they got to go to the bathroom. Then you get this scene of that one annoying character taking a piss. You can halfway see his penis and then you see this freaking tarantula crawling towards his penis. And then he fucking shoots the gun they had like six times and he's like telling everyone to go 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 and change almost bit my dick like like which again was just insane to me it literally is like dialogue for 13 year olds if you're gonna use a gun why would you use it on tarantula <laughs> like yeah. hey, is that even gonna work i don't know yeah. <laughs> um and so eli roth has like this weird thing throughout the movie to like do foreshadowing as well for really dumb shit. Yeah, dumb foreshadowing. It doesn't even make sense the kind of foreshadowing he does with the ants, the ants or whatever. Um, that earlier in the movie, when no she's sense. having the meeting with the UN, um, her her father, the UN attorney, he brings up, "Why aren't you wearing your mother's necklace?" 
he's like another one. He's like she Justine was like, Well, it was just one day I wear it all the time. And then basically like there's a whole fucking subplot later in the film with her necklace. And then they um they set up this they set up the freaking thing with um crap, what was it? Oh, I can't remember the other thing, but yeah, they oh yes, like mid after they go to the bathroom and stuff, they see a black jaguar resting on the side of the w- river. Oh yeah, <laughs> which it was like CGI. There's a CGI black it so jaguar, bad. and the first time you see it, you can't even distinguish it exactly. between the rocks. But he keeps like, zooming you can't even, in, like tell what it is cut. until like the last shot it looked of it. <laughs> oh, um, you're like okay, okay. What's rough. the point of this scene? And find out that there is kind of no point to it when it goes back to it later. It was just, it was really dumb, just script writing. Just like, well, he said it was like, he said, first of all, that it was like the keeper of the land. And then he also said there's some mythos where the jaguar is the guardian to underworld hell. And I was like, I was sitting there and I was like, I don't think okay. that's true. Yeah, I've never heard it, of it's a just like that, being that's the exact a guardian of hell. Intellectual bullshit. Like, like, yeah, he's a he's a gatekeeper to hell. <laughs> just like, yes, yeah, they're going into the free. Like, obviously, you know something's gonna happen. Yeah, I was like, is Jaguar really the? Is that a gatekeeper to hell? Like, I don't think I've ever heard that before yeah. until this movie. And, um, oh, Let and me then see. Carlos tells Justine that the natives believe black jaguars possess evil spirits and bad omens. Yeah. I don't know. It's way. It's it's super pretentious and just. Yeah, I just look. I just looked it up, and there's yeah. there's literally no, there's nothing at all that has anything to do with the jaguar being a gatekeeper. And <laughs> so they reach, um, basically they reach the site where they're gonna protest. And so like, all of these like workers are on their break, and so basically all the workers are on their break, and so like they they um they dress up as. I don't understand how they literally got the. Like, it makes no sense. All right. There are so many low plot holes in this movie. How does, how do they get like the, literally the same exact freaking construction worker outfits that this random ass construction group in the middle of the jungle is wearing? Well, Carlos, well, actually, that part, Carlos talks to, uh, what's his name, Alejandro, and he says that guy walked past with the cigarette, one of the construction oh, he's, workers, you're and right, he's you're like, right, that's our right. guy. I, I, I totally yeah, they have an the inside stuff. guy. Yeah, the guy with the cigarette, whatever, he got him the stuff. Okay, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. And so, like, they're all putting on these masks or whatever, and so they go, um, they try to get, like, behind the construction site, and they're, like, all, like, chaining themselves to these trees, and with the slogan on um like across her body called the save the amazon or whatever and and yeah. it turns out they planted like an explosive which came out of nowhere because they didn't exactly. even show planted i couldn't believe like i totally forgot that was a thing and i was just like what the fuck is happening <laughs> like they blow up yeah. one of the bulldozers. Just like this, they tie themselves up and Lorenza Izzo's having trouble getting her lock done. And then, like, yeah, you just see this random-ass explosion. It's not explained yet. And then, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, it's like this whole freaking group of militia comes in and basically with, like, it's like almost like a raid. And... Basically, like they're pointing all their guns at the at the people, and like they're recording and everything, you know. Um, and so, like, you know, they're obviously not doing anything because of the cameras and the Lorenzo Izzo can't get her locked on. So they take her off of the tree and they hold a gun up to her head, and then Alejandro's like, "She's the daughter of a UN attorney," and like basically saying like you're on camera for the UN and it's streamed live or whatever, and they stop. Yeah, and which is also weird. Then that's basically the end of it. 
I mean, they get exactly. they're streaming the whole time, and then that dude that has the gun up to her head gets the phone call, and then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> and it's like, what? It's like, you're telling me that they automatically, in that, like, two-second amount of time that they saw her face, and they said, she's the daughter of a UN person. Somebody was watching a live stream that knew that and found her, looked her up, and then had the intel to call Within, them and like, tell them that. Less than five it didn't make seconds. any sense. Yeah, it was like, there's no way she's that famous because the dad definitely yeah. ain't famous either. And so basically, like, they get all, like, um, they get taken into custody, custody by these, well, not really taken into custody at all. They're just escorted by, like, like regional police. And all the regional police, like, literally have uniforms that are, like, from Walmart. They look like yep. Walmart costumes. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, what am I watching right now? And so, like, they get on the plane. Everyone's celebrating, you know, like, CNN retweeted us and all that stupid stuff. And, like, Lorenzo Izzo is, like, sitting just, like, pouting her ass off because, you know, she had a fucking gun put to her head for this. And (laughs) Alejandro's, like, in the middle of, like, partying. He stops and he's like, so, like... All that was, you know, we're changing the world and all that stuff. Sometimes you have to do, you have to do things to get changed. And then he goes back to what go goes back to partying with his girlfriend. And then um, Jonah leans over. He's trying to say something to her, and Justine's like, "Fuck off!" And he's he tries to reassure her again. She, she said, "I said, fuck off." And, <laughs> and that's when what happens, Addison. What you mean when the plane just like, <laughs> yeah, like, like literally, finally, like, yeah, something like, finally happens. The fucking engine like, like explodes, and yeah, which you know, Alejandro's like, we were sabotaged. And it's like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> the plane engine explodes, like, and then like half of the plane comes off, and like, like two people fly out, and as they're crashing, like. A tree branch goes through, like decapitates the two um, pilots. Oh yeah, yeah, fucks his shit up. One of the and, pilots. And then so like, you know what was funny about this scene because there's like literally dead ass like several shots that you can tell it was like simulated flight. <laughs> like. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've actually seen the special features of this movie, and that's not something I'm proud of, but they actually put them on a rig, and it was just a, like, part of that plane, and they would just... Yeah, flip and, like, they're and using, like, there. actual, like, <laughs> like, almost, like, kind of, like, unfiltered, like, sh- like, just bare shots of it. So it's, like, it's, like, behind... Yeah, like, there's, like, are. several shots where it's, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. It's like they barely did any yeah. post on it. And so, like, it, it's totally fake or whatever. You obviously can tell that. Then they hit the ground and everyone's like, is everyone all right or whatever? And then the one girl is freaking out. Be mind you, this plane is sitting, like, just, just um, horizontally. Like, they're just sitting, like, <laughs> like regular passengers. They're not upside down. They're not flipped over or anything. They're just sitting up like regular passengers. And the one girl in the front starts freaking out because she can't get her seatbelt undone. <laughs> <laughs> and like, which I mean, didn't that also, that dude that's head got knocked off by the propeller? I mean, he was in front of her, but like, she didn't like specifically mention that or anything. She just like, She's like started looking around, and then she was like, "She started. I can't get my seatbelt done. I can't get my seatbelt done." And she's like, "Okay." No, I knew about her, but I'm talking after that when the dude's walking around and he walks in front of the airplane and that propeller's spinning and it just hits his head and just kills him instantly. And I was oh like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just walks in front of the plane and the propeller kills him. Just randomly too, like it wasn't going that fast, which I kind of understand. It's a metal propeller, but. I feel like it wouldn't like completely destroy his head like that. (laughs) So that happens (laughs) and they walk a little bit from the plane and it explodes. And again, like random. Yeah. And then so, um, 
And then they get caught by Basically, the, the yeah. Titans, which they're, came they're up, which came out of nowhere also. And then um, the natives painted in red um, basically ambush them. And <laughs> one of the funniest, like, kills happens here is, like, Alejandro's, like, like trying to get his girlfriend, like, running and stuff. She, like, falls over and then, like, literally a freaking arrow goes through her skull. <laughs> Oh yeah, just not just, I was just, like, just straight oh, up just kills her, <laughs> and then yeah. went right through her. Neck. And then so yeah, they they basically um, they all tranquilize them with um, blowpipe darts, and they basically them they brace they basically just bring them back into this village as prisoners, and you know like there's this whole scene on the way there where like they're literally just it's like. Almost like three minutes of them just like, just rubbing red paint on them, like not. Which I mean, that's actually one of the few parts of the movie uh-huh. I actually enjoyed because it actually lends some perspective to the idea that they are in a symbolic yeah. hell, and it kind of reminded me of Dante's Inferno, yeah. like all the demons like trying to reach yeah, up and grab them. Yeah. So I actually I enjoyed gonna, that, and yeah, there were some bad about it. It's just like, like. You get the whole. There were yeah. some good shots get, in there. There were genuinely some good shots, but that was about like, it. I mean, like, like, yeah, there were some good shots where it actually looked like they were acting well. Um, and oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, only part. <laughs> and then, so basically, they put them in this cage, and um, like <laughs> they give Jonah like water, or and then they um. Then they like bring him over, and he he's like think, thinking he's like gonna be like set down, just like like given like help or whatever, and like let... which is weird. He acted like he was acting like he was just out of it, and then they gave him I don't know what they fed him, but all of a sudden it was just like they then they start holding him down, and then they literally um take out his eyes, like they like stick this like wooden um knife basically in his eye gouge it out and then she eats it gouge out the other one she eats it um cuts off his tongue eats it then this is when they're like all holding him down and the one head guy is basically chopping him off limb from limb and this is actually where i like this like i honestly like this moment and so he's dismembered um decapitated by the tribal leader and then they basically like they take his like two legs. They put they're like salting up his legs, and like preparing um, his body. And they put it in like the like 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 stove, like makeshift stove, kind of. Yeah, I don't know what um, you would call it, but I know one, it's, one of the pieces they were cooking, is, like basically just his bare torso, just being put in, and yeah. yeah. Um, so they're all freaking out about that and everything. And then, oh my God, one of the stupidest moments in this movie, um, they're all sitting there and Amy's like, I'm sick. And everyone's like, we're all sick. And she's like, no guys, I'm really sick. And then literally goes to the corner of the freaking um, the cage and literally shits all over the place. Yeah, which again, that scene made... I mean, I'm on zero sense in the context of the movie. Like, if you're going to be sick in a situation like that, like, I understand being sick in a situation like that, but I feel like you would throw up or, like, pass out. You wouldn't just have diarrhea. And it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, it's, like, it felt like it was, like, trying to be edgy for 13-year-olds. Like, because, like, she shits a lot, and maybe someone around that age would find it funny or something. I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, then you find out basically, like, he's like, yeah, um, we only got to survive for basically three days because the bulldozers are, are coming back. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, the bu- we only, we didn't do anything. We just, we just delayed them by a day. <laughs> Yeah, he basically says that they got paid and they were just a publicity stunt for the opposing yeah. company. Like it was all that set was up. trying to 
get rid of the first company. Yeah, it was all. It was, it was basically all, for all fragmented. But he's like, he's like, don't you yeah. realize now we have an actual following? Now we can actually get real change done. And they're all like, you know, basically really pissed off at him and everything. And so the next morning, Justine, Samantha, and Amy, the three women, are um, taken away from the cage where they're all like put on. They're all like at this like center, um, just platform basically, um, and they're all um, probed would be I guess a word. <laughs> well, I get, they were trying to figure out yeah. which one was a virgin, and so like they're all like, yeah, they're all sticking. I guess you could say probed. I mean, I don't really yeah, know exactly. what word you would say Sticking to try and figure like that out. Knife up their genitals and trying to figure out which one's a virgin. And it turns out Justine's a virgin. And so she's taken away for this gen- for what would be a genital mutilation ceremony. And so Samantha and Amy return to the cage. Um, basically, and then Alejandro's like, you know, he's like consoling the group, like, you know, we just gotta stay put. Don't piss them off or anything. And the bulldozers will be here soon. And um, wait, um, like they're they they keep on doing this thing where like they're <laughs> like they're trying to escape. Um, but like when they try to get out, like they get hit by a blow dart or whatever. And need be that this is like. Need be the, the most annoying part of this movie is the fact that after the forty minute mark, when all this shit actually starts hitting the fan and they're stuck here, Eli Roth spends almost the entire time of the movie with the tribesmen as all of them just stuck in their cage and then trying to escape in the dumbest ways, and they just keep getting caught. Exactly, and they just get put back in the cage, and it was it's the biggest. It's probably one of the biggest or most annoying examples I've seen of like like movie masturbation where it's just the same thing over and over again yeah. you're like what are you doing like you're not yeah, making any not, none of it's nothing happening whatsoever and it gets really yeah. tiresome after the second and time so basically um justine is returned to the cage and she's her face and body are partially painted um and so basically while she was being painted and stuff you have you have the thing with her freaking necklace again. She's playing her necklace for the little kid, and the little kid, I guess, kind of feels bad for her, and so that's how she's trying to get out. And um, Justine and um, Daniel, they um, they managed to actually get away, and they reached the crash, the original crash site, crash site, and um. You see a cannibal yeah, costume. There's on. like four four of the members of the plane are on stakes. And But it doesn't look nearly as good oh, yeah. as Cannibal Holocaust ones. None of it looks actually real. Um then they find a phone, but they're recaptured and taken back to the village. Uh-huh. And Justine's <laughs> painted again from head to toe and in tribal attire this actual time. And Dan Daniel is tied to the stake where he's um basically like bludgeoned with this freaking like hacksaw knife kind of yeah made out of a yeah. giant jawbone and like some so he, he's basically like breaking his bones all up and down his body or whatever then they smother him in this like green paste then all these um ants come in and the ants that were yeah. foreshadowed at the beginning of the movie for no reason that eats yeah. this dude and like they don't really eat him or anything like you just see like yeah they just bite him um, <laughs> and then that spy kid dude died before the ant thing happened also he tried to get away and they caught him and oh yeah the okay so i totally <laughs> for, like all right so, yeah they got him oh, high. okay they yeah got i totally forgot the all right Cause, oh, yeah, because that chick yeah. slit her throat so, also. Basically, you have this whole sequence where um, – base like, <laughs> So you – all right. Actually, I kind of liked this part. So – What, were the villagers well, fed Well, her, the villagers the are girl? feeding her – Luna, shut up. The, um, the, the villagers <laughs> are feeding her, her – um, We are yeah. talking about um, a movie. The, the, the villagers, like, Dog. are feeding her – her friends 
And then she looks around the village and all the kids are like playing with like the tattoos. Yeah, the parts of the skin with the tattoos. Yeah, on and it, I honestly kind of like that. Um, and then she just, yeah. I thought it was a good scene because she looked in the bowl and sees that piece of skin in the bowl. She looks and she just all playing with like ripped off skin that's tattoos and they're putting them on their own bodies and everything. I liked that. Then she just literally just takes a fucking rock and just literally slits her throat. <laughs> no, oh, she like yeah, broke right, the bowl right. she, and took like she a broke the shard of it. She, yeah, she slits her throat. And then they get the idea of, well, they're going to eat her next, of course. So the the kid from Spy Kids takes his bag of weed and stuffs it down her throat. And which I'm not I'm not too convinced about the science behind this of how if you cook a body with a bag of weed in it that's covered in plastic and all that, that it will go through all the, all the meat and thing. meat yeah. and bone. Yeah. I don't know if I'm fully convinced on the science a, of that, yeah. but so I'm they just take out trust. the body and they're like eating, and everyone's like absolutely loving it. Everyone's having like giggling their asses off. Yeah. All the villagers and they're all like begging for more meat and everything like that, and so that's that's when um, Justine and Daniel Daniel um, escape. But of course, Daniel they get both get captured. Daniel's. All that stuff happens to him. And, and the spike and dude got caught and he got beat um, to death. And so the the new arrival of the force cleaning crew um sends the crew sends the cannibals into a battle fury basically and they all basically leave um to go fight off this militia and um yeah, the new yeah. construction. And then you have this. Um, you have the little kid from earlier, um, with the necklace. Her necklace, um, allows Justine to escape, and um, Justine goes over to Daniel, and he's like in terrible shape. Um, she's like, "I'm trying to bring you with," and he's like, "No, just kill me, just kill me." And he's, yeah, he's in really rough shape. And then the kid actually kills him, but in a very, actually painless way. He puts the kid puts him to sleep with the powder stuff that the villagers yeah. put the other people to sleep with, and he slits his throat while he's knocked like, out. So I mean, it, it exactly. was actually a painless. And death, so like so at that point, like Justine freaks out, and they're all just yeah. Um, Alejandro begs Justine for help, but she says "fuck you" and leaves. Um, uh, like, and then you have basically just this old man and child chase Justine through the 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 jungle, and oh, and here this is where the black jaguar pops up. <laughs> like, she's like trying to run across this like little riverbed, and the jaguar's sitting oh. on the other side, and she's like, "Oh, I need to cross here." But there's a jaguar over there. So she runs over and, like, the the natives don't do anything. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's another thing about the symbolism behind it that makes no sense. Eli Roth, I don't think he fully thought about it. But if you're going to make something be the gatekeeper of hell, and, that, and you see it at the beginning of the movie yeah. when they're entering hell, how are you going to put it at the exit of hell if they're going to be trying to essentially symbolically leave the place or he's not still going to be guarding the place to leave yeah it. you know what i mean he would be guarding the entrance you wouldn't care about someone leaving yeah it, it there's like really no purpose to it whatsoever and so then you get this whole no. action montage of basically just these the militia freaking gunning down natives and then she convinces um the same the same uh, militia guy from earlier that she's American and you know, I have the phone here, whatever. Um, you remember me? Yeah, she's yeah. like, remember me? And she's flown to safety. And then you get this um, well, and then obviously the natives like go back to the village and then they knock out Alejandro one more time and you think that's it. Um, but so she's back in New York. She's filming an interview 
and she's telling her father and other government workers that she was the sole survivor of the plane crash and the natives were friendly. They helped her out. They basically saved her. Um, basically saying that the activists didn't die in vain and, you know, the natives were innocent. Um, and they yeah, were, and, um, they were slaughtered by the militia there. Um, and one of them brings up like, you know, this tribe was, was known for cannibalism. You didn't see any. And she's like, not once. And then she looks in the camera and you're like, dude, come on. Um, Then so, oh my God. And then you get this freaking stupid ass freaking dream sequence. Dude, the dream sequence is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. It has literally no place in this movie at all. You see her. Here's the thing that really pisses me off about this movie. And especially with the dream sequence, because at the end, you kind of start getting an idea that maybe Eli Roth is trying to go for this, like, you know, she was the victim at first, and she's now become the femme fatale. She has now become this, like, vengeful spirit, kind of, like, furious Uh girl. And you're like, that's cool, that's cool. But then he's going to sit there and completely, like, just counterproduct himself back into it by... Showing her that she has like guilt or something to Alejandro with this yeah. dream sequence that that she left him behind. So then you're like, so she isn't really that femme fatale kind of like been through hell and now I'm a badass chick now and she actually has guilt. So then you're like, what yeah. the fuck? And he he just keeps going back and forth like he can't decide what he wants to do or he's just not intelligent enough yeah. to know what he's doing. And then you have the fucking end sequence where it turns out Alejandro is alive. And you're like, this is the dumbest fucking movie you, yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah, you get the mid credit scene <laughs> where Justine gets a phone call. And then you see the basically like this, like, um, basically like this uh, electronic satellite photo of, it's like zooming in more and more. And then you see Alejandro in black paint and like a knife and <laughs> basically going through the jungle and it's Alejandro's sister he's like yeah I have this photo of Ale- what looks like Alejandro in the jungle and it ends there it's like I thought you said he was dead it's like what the fuck and that's like the you end. could have had a great ending and you actually could have wrapped up the whole movie and then somehow you I could, managed I to not only screw up the I one ending more the second time how fucking ridiculous it looks yeah, it's and that's the end. They, you know how hard it is for a filmmaker to ruin two endings in one movie at once. It's pretty hard, and Eli Roth does it. And this man, and he did it intentionally. <laughs> <He did> it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a shit show, man. It's an atrocious movie. It is really bad. Um, and so I didn't know this, but they. Apparently, like there was actually a sequel in development called Beyond the Green Inferno, and (laughs) basically, just after 2016, it kind of like went silent. But like, there's like it's still in talks, whatever to be made someday. Yeah, I I doubt it will because the main chick is a no longer with Eli Roth. It's that's his, yeah, they're well, divorced. I mean, and it, it, apparently, down. it was supposed to be directed by this guy named Nicol, Nicholas Lopez, exactly. And, um, yeah, it, that was Green Inferno. He was a lot, it's, it's a, a terrible so movie. bad, guys. <laughs> like, I would honestly, I would probably rather watch Cannibal Holocaust Cost again over this movie. Yeah, I would just like to completely uh, take back all my comments in the prior <laughs> podcast about saying, oh, Green Inferno is better than Camel Holocaust, which I will still, I'm probably, they're going to be the same rating for me. They're both at one star, but they're both at one star for vastly yeah. different reasons. But again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to rewatch either one yeah. of them at this point. Um, <laughs> I mean, it just like, it just felt like everything like, everything went wrong like there was like this doesn't feel like it was made by like a professional filmmaker whatsoever this movie was freaking praised by stephen king 
And yeah, which I still don't get that. But then again, I mean, Stephen King isn't really very cinematically yeah. knowledgeable, which you can tell by his choices. And yeah, and like on, that. on Cinema Score, like it has like a B minus. Yeah. Are you serious? Um, Metacritic has at a 38 of 100 and basically the same thing as Rotten Tomatoes and the average rating of 4.9 out of 10. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, like, well, it, it, actually, it's kind of not surprising. This movie made, like, more than double off of its budget. Um, I'm sure it didn't have that mil. big of a budget. Yeah, that's not much at all for... I mean, Eli Roth wanted, like, not Eli but you know, he wanted like a low budget movie, um, but he knew that it would get audience. Basically, like he—it's a horror film. First of all, horror films yeah. always get in audiences, even if no one gives a shit about it. Think about it. Like all the average moviegoers yeah. were gonna want to see this movie. Yeah, basically, because it's like, oh my god, it's scary camera. Yeah, movie. And guess what? It's not scary or disturbing or good. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Like if you if you include the first, what is it? First forty minutes of the movie, and then you include the last ten minutes of the movie. Basically, fifty minutes of the whole movie is yeah at a college. Um, sorry, Eli. Um, I still really like Cabin Fever and Hostel. Um, not. I like the Hostel movies, but yeah. I think I'll leave it alone. Um, don't like this one anymore and i wouldn't be surprised if i revisited like some other movies of yours if i didn't like them anymore but yeah um that's great yeah i think we have to revisit hostile eventually um (laughs) i think it is um your pick well first guys that was green inferno obviously bad movie um on to the next one Edison, I think it's your pick. What are we going to be watching for next time? Oh, goodness. What are we going to be watching for next time? I think we should watch Brain Dead. Ooh, okay. Because I actually okay. know I like and that that's, movie. It's a, I've only seen scenes from that movie. All right. I love Brain Dead. Which, of course, it's also called Dead yeah, Alive yeah, yeah. in some places. but. Um, Yeah, let's fucking do it. I'm actually excited for this next one because I've only seen some scenes out of it. Yeah, I'm really excited to check it out. Um, Let's go. Um, Thank you guys as always for listening. Um, We will see you guys in two weeks. See you later, guys. Thank you. Have a good one.